All right. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, welcome back to the Invincible FC podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Josh. All righty. Let's get into it. So today we're going to play a couple of this or that's, talk about a rule change. Um, But before we get into all that, we are going to start with an open-ended debate question. Or mm, less a debate question and more just a discussion about some broader topics. Um, we're going to start with discussing our favorite club besides Arsenal. And I'm assuming I, Josh wrote this question. I'm assuming you mean Premier League club? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it could be Premier League club. It could be top five leagues. Uh, just a team that's not, you know, not a local team or a team in the lower leagues that's, you know, a relevant team that's not Arsenal. Okay, so, okay, so can't pick like NYCFC. All right, bummer. Um, I can't pick Revolution. <laughs> Matt Turner. What do you got? Hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to take Leeds United. Okay. Um, a lot of that is with the recent moves to bring Jesse Marsh in and then to get Brendan Aronson. I really. F- team? It's gonna. It's gonna end up being. It, that seems to be the the vision for the San Francisco 49ers who are about to buy out the ownership of the club, it looks like, pretty soon. Yeah, so um, they own minority shares, but they're close to majority shares. They only have to buy a few more percent to be majority owners, and it looks like they're going to do that very soon. Um, so it really is going to look like they're going to. that's going to be a club where a lot of young American talent is going to develop. Um, so I find that really interesting. I find that compelling. I think I... I'm not the supremely confident in the San Francisco 49ers group as owners for Leeds United because I don't I mean we have an American owner and he's kind of shit yeah. but um at the end of the day you take what you can get um yeah. if it's going to bring American players yeah. to England yeah. then that is a huge positive for me yeah. uh I also I got to tell you even last year I thought Leeds were really really neat um I liked Bielsa as a manager um Fun. I love yeah exactly. I love their style of play. They were so fun to watch. I mean, we, you remember last year we would always say, oh, they, they're either gonna win four two or they're gonna lose four nil. Yeah, that was that was Every seemed game. how it always went. Yeah. Either won four two or lost four nil. And mm-hmm. like no matter what happened, there were a bunch of goals in that game, and that was just a really exciting team to watch. So I was really compelled. I liked it a lot. Jesse Marsh has come in. He's doing really good stuff. The Jack Harrison story is so cool. Um, him being so close to to this, I really. I don't know what it is about Luke Ayling as a player. Um, until he two-footed Gabriel Martinelli, I really <laughs> liked him. <laughs> I really, really liked him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a good player. I do like him still. I think he's one of the best players on the team, which is overall a majority championship quality player side. Yeah, um, he really stands out as a Premier League quality player. Um, and a good leader. A good leader. He seems very charismatic. Uh, like a good captain. So I think that that team, I just see a lot of spirit in them. I really enjoy the way that they play the game with the passion, the emotion, um, and just the all-out attack. And they've still got a lot of that attacking-minded football in them, obviously, with a little bit more defensive structure, which you're going to need to survive relegation battles um, moving forward because I don't think that they're going to be out of it come next year. I really don't. Um, yeah, I just... I find them they're far enough away from Arsenal that I'm not they're not interfering with like I can root for Arsenal and yeah. Leeds and they're doing completely different things which is good. Uh last year that was not really so much the case. Uh one place. Jeez. 
but um, yeah, I, I I think Leeds Leeds is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned the the passion they play with and all that. I mean, not to mention their fan base is one of the most passionate uh, in England, in the world maybe. Um, it I mean it's got a lot going for them. A lot of a lot of criticism, but overall it's got you know really good reputation for me. And you did mention one thing at the end that that enticed me a little bit that made me question my answer a little bit is the fact that Leeds are not competitive with Arsenal and they're in very different positions so you can still root for them while rooting for Arsenal my answer is not going to be the same because my answer is Leicester City um, I've, I've been a big Leicester fan I mean since they were promoted I, I liked them I liked you know their project I, I always like a promoted team like there's one team I just like to get behind it was them obviously I didn't think they'd win the title the year after that but um and no, I didn't bandwagon them because I didn't become, the, you know, a Leicester fan. But I always liked their project. I always liked how they, they worked. That was a, obviously a very likable team when they won the league. Um, and just since then, I, I think they've just run their club very, very well. It's been very structured. All their signings have been really good players. I, almost all the signings have been players that I wanted Arsenal to sign in the first place. I mean, you look at in recent years, you look at Tielemans, Madison, um uh, uh doc uh was it daka uh big fan yeah, Pats of daka that's in daka i really like him a nacho um Gosh, all these players you got barnes coming out of the system you got uh fofana has been immense i mean look yeah. at look at you know what his absence has done to them this year they got soyuncu they got i, I really like ricardo Pereira. my one of my favorite players is wilfred and didi so all throughout their squad is just really high quality players and and you know I think they they choked away the Champions League the past few seasons until this year they had a they they struggled a lot but um I think they're very admirable the way they're able they were able to turn from a relegation favored team actually from a league 1 team at one point to eventually be promoted a relegation favored team into being a real top 4 competitor I think they're right right up there now um on a year-to-year basis. I think uh, the way they've managed has been very admirable. And, you know, what you mentioned about Leeds, how how they have, you know, how it's, you know, another American owner taking over. And we have mostly either American owners or, you know, the the states, you know, the, the countries that are taking over, you know, oil, oil com- companies and clubs. We will get to um, that one. Yeah, and Leicester is just a... Is, unique in that sense as well as in that it doesn't have either of those it, it has you know a third party type of ownership which has been very admirable hasn't done anything uh you know skeevy or anything like that and very you know a big tragedy obviously with the with the owner um passing away a few years ago but mm-hmm. um i i just really respect the way that club is run and when arsenal was was caught up in the whole super league talk uh, last year with everybody else, I was, I, I was, I was considering, uh, you know, looking at other options because I I could not support a club that was doing that, and I was thinking about Leicester, but fortunately nothing nothing like that happened. So, yeah, yeah, dude, abandoning ship for Arsenal would be a disastrous scenario. That would be, but uh, I, it's the last case. It feels like the Super League is where you have to draw the line. Mm-hmm. And we agreed Absolutely. upon that last year. I remember yeah. how how intense all of that was. Yeah. Um, who was it? I was telling, I was, 
I was telling my girlfriend about this the other day about the Super League because she hadn't heard about it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like literally imagine somebody who didn't know what the Super League was, right? Like trying right. to explain to them yeah. how it all worked. It was so like it was so interesting to to just like really like if you put it out so objectively, you're like, Holy shit, this is actually so evil. Right. It was my mom. It was not my girlfriend. My girlfriend okay. knew about it already, it was my mom. Yeah. Okay. Um but yeah, it was like it's just like you just all of a sudden you understand like as Americans that's not an abnormal idea to us. You know what yeah. I mean? So to see like it introduced and to see that like the cultural difference to try and explain the way it all worked, it really it showed me exactly how much life that Super League would have sucked out of the game. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah, I mean it's just one step of just an overwhelming uh, flow of Americanizing the game. I mean, there have been so many instances where people are, you know, all these all these rich owners are trying to Americanize, and that's where it goes back again to the the owner debate. But again, that's for another day. Um, where you know, with there's the Super League, but there's also a lot of changes being done to the Champions League, and uh, you know, VAR obviously being introduced, and and uh, introducing new formats to even the World Cup potentially expanding teams, um, you know, proposals of, of 60 minutes, 60 minute games because w- with stoppages of play when it goes out of bounds. There's all these different, um, you know, rules that are changing. E- even even bringing uh, concerts to the Champions League final. I mean, that's that's a, an American tradition uh, at like Super Bowls that, you know, was not the case. has never been the case until a few years ago. Uh, in the Champions League, and it's just, um, I'm just getting sick of it, because it's just completely monopolizing and uh, monetizing the game, and I just want football back. (laughs) It is really interesting, you know, as um, someone who, I I mean, I spent more time in my youth in what, you know, a lot of people call football ignorance, not really, no, I I played soccer as a kid, but yeah, again, I called it soccer back then, it was so, like, I still have to with with yeah most people point. I talk to <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. definitely most conversations yeah. I have mm-hmm. I have to refer to it as soccer yeah. um in my head it's football but yeah um it is really it's been so fascinating because like it's such a foreign concept to me that a sports team could be run for any reason other than money like because every American sports team is operating to make money right. and makes ass loads of money and so. Like, the concept of buying and selling players, of, like, teams like an Everton operating in, like, hundreds of millions of pounds loss. It's just, like, you just wouldn't see that here. And so, like, that adjustment has been really fascinating. And it puts into perspective a lot of, like, a lot of the difference in, in like, passion and the way that the... the the love of the game is for football versus American sports like baseball or American football, basketball, things like that. Like fans here love love the game. I'm not ever going to take that away from them, but the way that like the localized game is so ingrained in in English society and European society in general is a is a level above anything that we have, in my opinion. And it just really it it really broke my heart to watch people just sucking money out of the game absolutely yep so i'm right there with you um 
I do want to bring up one scary thought that I'm having as we're talking about this. Okay. Chelsea were the first club to fold, weren't they? Mm-hmm. When the Super League was formed. Yeah. They now have so. an American owner. That's true. Yeah. I we see Florentino Perez trying to bring back the Super League already. I don't know that it will happen now. I don't think so. But do you think something like that is coming back soon? No. You know? I think they're going to keep trying, doing all these things. But at the end of the day, football is, you know, if it's all about the money, it has nothing, you know, it can't do anything without the fans. And it's all down to the fans at the end of the day, fortunately, because we're the ones who are, you know, paying them. We're, we're the ones they're making, they're profiting off of. And so if we're not into it, they're not going to be able to be successful with it. And so... If we're all against it, if we're all, you know, rioting the streets as, as we did last year, um, they, they're just not going to be able to do it. I, I don't think it – I think they'll try to bring it back, but they'll know that it just won't work. That's a good point. All right. Um, well, we've, we've gotten decidedly off task at this point, so um, let's, get, let's get back to what we were talking about. Arsenal loanies. Uh, let's run down the list here. We don't have to take too long with it, but we can, we can touch on each name. Um, this is a conversation we got into a little bit in the first episode that we recorded. Um, but William Saliba, that's kind of the first name that we should discuss. Um, how do you see him best fitting into this Arsenal team? And do you think he should be coming in to replace a current starter? So I think he's, first of all, we, we got to bring him back. Um, there's, there's a few rumors suggesting that he might want to stay because Marseille is in the Champions League. Um, Arteta's got to lay down the law there. He's got to um, bring him back. I think, I think he won't start him right away because, you know, he hasn't proven himself yet in the Premier League. He hasn't had a chance to, to be fair. But Ben White and Gabriel have done well enough to, to, to convince Arteta that they'll be ready for match week one um i think ben white's on a short leash i would put ben white on a short leash and uh if he struggles to start the season i'm putting saliba in and i'm putting saliba in for now in the the early cup games or whatever the other games are playing him a lot in the in the preseason games um and then once ben white you know shows a little bit of struggle I would I would really consider bringing in Saliba. I really want to see uh, a Gabriel Saliba partnership. I want to see how that works. I think that would they would complement each other really well, um, and it would be a very um, capable uh, back line. And I really want to see it. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like we talked about last time, the idea of a back three. Um, we've since had conversations that probably should have been had on this microphone. Um, that have convinced me that that really doesn't work with the Kieran Tierney and right. Takahiro Tamiyasu being our being our outside backs that are, who are both slightly too defensive minded to play true wing back mm-hmm. position, um, which I think is correct. They're they're yeah. both m- more center backs than wing backs yeah. in their outside back role, which I think is yeah. needed for the fact that our midfield is pretty attacking minded yeah. in in a way and. Our attack is right. That's productive, but yeah, that's one question as well. I mean, first of all, if you have a back three and you're trying to fit those three center backs in, first of all, you might need more center back depth. Depth, and second of all, where do Tierney and Tomiyasu fit? That's one question. But the other question is, uh, what do you do with the rest of the attackers? Because you know, there's 
we there are a lot of really good attackers with a ton of potential that should be playing and bringing in a back three that might be taking away minutes from some of them so um so what do you do there you do you do a midfield two and then uh a front three maybe i mean there's you think you do that Um, that's that's the formation do you put martinelli at right wing back maybe i'm not sure or left not left but it is a good question. question i don't i wouldn't be able to tell you um Martinelli and Saka have both shown the capability to play in that wing back position, yeah. uh. So I think that that makes sense. But are they wasted there? I agree. I think yeah. they're completely wasted there. I think both of them have far too much attacking capability, right? To do that, and again, that puts a situation in where you're wondering where Martin Odegaard fits in the lineup, where Emil Smith Rowe fits That's in that I was lineup. Thinking, yeah, because the the holding two probably end up looking like Partey and either Xhaka or T- ideally Tielemans. I'd love yeah. to have Tielemans yeah. in that squad. That He'd be he'd fit great in that role. But then you're looking at playing Smith-Rowe and Odegaard as wingers. Right. Odegaard is a false nine Kevin De Bruyne type. I don't yeah, think he's doing that. that. That's not really him. Yeah, that might be like a certain situation, like maybe in a cup game with Nketiah playing up front. Like you, you sort something, flip something around a little bit, but... Um, Probably yeah. not for our normal starting eleven. No, I'm right there with you. It doesn't. Yeah. It it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it doesn't. All right, let's 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 keep let's it rolling here because this yeah. episode doesn't need to be as long as the others have been. <laughs> um, uh, Fuller and Balogun. Balogun. Um, Middlesbrough. Yeah, he's done a good job. He's done a pretty good job. He's he had what, three well. goals, three assists, I think. Um, yeah. Which is good for his first real time, uh, in a, you know, in professional football. Um, I really like him. I think he's very talented. He's very raw. Um, I think he's going to need another loan spell, but he should definitely stay. We should definitely try and keep him. He could come in as our third striker next year, maybe, behind Nketiah. Um, but I really like him. I think he's a big future. Ed. I would agree. I would agree. He's eligible to play for America, too. So, um, Fingers crossed. Fuller, and if you ever somehow hear this... Um, just know we're rooting for you, man. Uh, Reese Nelson is the next name on the list. Um, saw some success in that uh, conference league with Feyenoord. Yeah. Um, played pretty well, pretty well there, for yeah. them. Uh, hasn't shown the capability of playing up to Arsenal standard in the Arsenal jersey yet. Uh, so I kind of remain unconvinced by him. Mm-hmm. Overall, I really don't. I have never really thought that he was going to be good enough or is good enough um i know you in the past have felt very differently about him uh, i don't know where you land now i would say i'm still skeptical i think his his loan move has increased his transfer value um but i would still be looking to sell yeah i he i was a huge fan of his but even before bakayo Saka broke out he was the guy for me uh, I thought he was going to be the real big young guy who was going to take over, was going to um, get a lot of minutes and really start to make a name for himself because he looked like an absolute baller when he came in, first came into the youth, uh, to the first team, and he struggled. He, he just wasn't really able to, to adapt the same way. He, he didn't have that um, next-level um, talent. And, and I still think he's very good, but I just don't think he was ready for the Premier League. I think he's good in other leagues. He he scored like eight goals on loan at uh, Hoffenheim, mm-hmm. seven goals, I think, um, which is which is very good for one season as like a 19-year-old. Now he's 22, and he hasn't really broken through. I don't think he's right for Arsenal. I think he's got to leave, and hopefully we can get a decent fee for him, maybe 15 mil. I mean, 
hopefully we can get 15 20 mil if he really is mm. uh, working that well but yeah, yeah. i agree with you i agree with you uh and the next name on the list is uh lucas terrera um, Lucas Torreira is an interesting character. Yeah. Uh, I really liked him as a player. Always liked him as a player. Really didn't want him to ever leave on loan or anything. Um, he was pretty vocal at one point that he wanted to leave Arsenal. So it left me kind of wondering what went wrong. You know, a little bit of that broken relationship. Like, oh, how did the, where how did we end up like this? Um, but he is. A really talented player. I'd love for us to find a way to fit him into that lineup. I think if we're going to continue to play those two holding midfield roles, mm-hmm. he could sit right next to uh, Thomas Partey and, and really do a good job. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that we've re-signed Mohamed Elneny mm-hmm. and are probably going to keep Granit Xhaka and try and buy Yuri Tielemans means that Torreira doesn't have a future at Arsenal. Right. Um, that makes me sad. I really do like him as a player. I wish that he would yeah. be able to stay... Um, Although it's it's hard to I guess that's this is more of a sentimental thing because it's hard to point at a player in that lineup other than probably Mohamed El Neni, in in the squad at all and say that Torreira has earned a spot over them. Right. You know I think Granit Xhaka has done really really well, um, and no matter how much I like Torreira better than him, I'm not sure I can yeah. really claim that he doesn't deserve a spot in that lineup. Right. Yeah, um, I think he's. I I think what what went wrong with him is he he was homesick. Uh, his, during COVID, he, he had uh, his, I think he lost his grandmother or his mother. I think his mother, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he had a lot of difficult things going on. Um, in terms of on-the-field stuff, his uh, Emery played him out of position. He played him at the 10 often. So I, I don't think he really ever worked in that sense. I think he could have. He had a lot of potential. You know, he was a fan favorite when he came. But um, he, you know, he had his, he had his issues. Um, but... I think yeah. I think it's. I think if we like this year in January when we when we had death problems, we could have. Uh, um, we could have used them, but right now, uh, I don't think we're gonna. We're gonna need them for next year. Yeah, it's, it's I think that makes sense, bro. Um, it's it again. Like I said, it's not great, because I would like to keep him, but I'm I'm right there with you. I do think that he is, he is. Just doesn't fit. Yeah, a little bit unfortunate. Hector Bellerin, and I know this is one that we're not going to agree on. Yeah, because he seems really happy at, at Rio Batiste. Right. I would love to see us finalize a move for him to stay mm-hmm. there. Yeah, uh, I I like him as a player a lot. I like him as a human being. I think he's a really yeah. interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his work for the environment is really compelling in a pretty unique way. Uh, I don't always like his fashion choices, but overall, I think he's a human being who I've come to admire for his character, um, and a footballer who I've come to think is just not good enough to wear the Arsenal shirt. So I don't really see a place for him in the team. Uh, I know that outside back, we've had a couple of issues but I do. I think the next player that we're going to talk about is someone that I would prefer to have in the team over him. But I, I yeah, I just don't. I just don't see a place where Hector Bellerin. Guess who that is? <laughs> yeah, you're you're never going to be able to guess it. I haven't talked about him at all in the last two episodes. But I'd love to hear your take on Bellerin because yeah. it's different than mine. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not too in-depth. It's just that, you know, yes, Bellerin struggled the last few years. But when, when we brought him in, when we or not brought him in, when he, he came out of the Youth Academy, he, he was a baller. He, he was really, you know, he was so promising. We thought he was going to be the next, you know, best right back, and he was until his ACL tear. Um, and he was just doing great. He lost a lot of his pace, which was which a lot of his game was uh, built around, which really, you know, he struggled after that. But he was, um, he, he, you know, he's Arsenal through and through. He's still got a lot of ability. Um, he, he works hard, and I, I trust him more than I trust Cedric. And, you know, we can talk about the next guy, but... Um, you know, I'm just gonna say it. The next guy is Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Yes, um, come on, Ainsley. <laughs> I love, I really like Ainsley Maitland-Niles, but I just don't think he's gonna stay. And I don't know about Bellerin either, but I think Maitland-Niles doesn't want to be want to play fullback. He wants to play in the middle, and Bellerin wants to play fullback. So if he can, if we, if he can buy into being the backup, I'd be happy to keep Hector Bellerin um, as the backup to Tomiyasu because I trust him more than I trust Cedric. And then we'd actually have some real cover, and I'd be fine with him uh, stepping in when Tommy Lasso gets hurt. Yeah, I that does make a lot of sense to me. I think you made, you raise a good point there, talking about um, talking about how Maitland Niles wants to play midfield. Um, that is true. Uh, he hasn't. He, I mean, he was sent on loan to Roma to play fullback. Yep. He can't. I really feel for for play. Ainsley in, in many situations because. He's in a situation where now where Arsenal don't seem to want him. Roma don't seem to want him. He can't find a place to even play in his preferred position. Right. Where does he go from here? Back to is it, <laughs> Exactly. Is yeah, it yeah. is the type of Alex Iwobi situation where we sell him off? I think that's his only Maybe. option, but yeah. it's going to be to a, a lesser club than Everton. Seems like it. Probably. Yeah. I, I would hope I would hope I a like Premier League club. Player. Yeah. Not a West Brom, maybe, uh, maybe a even a newly promoted club like a Nottingham Forest. Um, <laughs> we just finished Congrats watching that them. game. Congratulations <laughs> to Nottingham Forest for getting promoted. Um, or even like a, I want to say a Crystal Palace or a Southampton type yeah. of team. I think you could fit into a yeah. squad like that and maybe find right a back. couple him minutes and, in the midfield. Him and Tyrick Mitchell for uh, Palace could be a very lethal uh, wing back pair. But again, he's probably going to try and play in the midfield, which he's there's gotta, openings there. Yeah, he'll find he'll find a way to do it. Um, I'd like to see that. You just you just as much as I would love to see him because he's such a good squad player and he can sub in in so many different roles. Yeah, you just don't see a future for him at Arsenal. Yeah, unfortunately, it is sad. And um, Ganduzi's not coming back. That's the last thing. <laughs> oh, he's gone. God no! Good as Please gone. stay gone. Um, I was never really much of a Genduzi fan personally. I uh, thought he was kind of a little arrogant. Yeah. And I think that his time on loan has shown that his character is a bit of an issue sometimes. Yeah. He's done well. But... He, he, he's, he is a, a talented player. Yeah. He but is. you've got to be Paul Pogba at Juventus levels of good to behave like Paul yeah. Pogba at Juventus. <laughs> And I don't think that he was really on that level. Don't think so. Um, what else we got going? All right, bro. Let's wrap it up with this or that so we can keep those. I'd like to do one at the end of every episode. I like that. Um, 
There's so many good ones. But I really am so tempted by the one that we just added. What is it? Oil nation states or American hedge funds. You have a lot more to say on this than I do. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Dude. I don't know the, the in-depth legal side of this. I don't, wouldn't be super knowledgeable about the in-depth legal sides of it. All I would be able to tell you is it is insane to watch this sport be dominated by owners oh, yeah. who, I mean, you just wonder how long it is before there's a situation where the owners of Manchester City are sanctioned. Yeah, I mean... Before oh, before the owners been. of Newcastle United are sanctioned. They had been. But and then those clubs power. are in the mud, too. They had been, but they had too much power because... Uh, I mean, City City was potentially going to be banned from the Champions League. There were talks of, uh, you know, a huge, like a three-year cha- transfer ban or something like that. Like a lot of these crazy things because they, they were violating a lot of the, P, uh, the FFP. The FFP doesn't exist anymore, mainly because of them. And, you know, they just have so much power that, you know, sanctioning them would do more harm to, you know, UEFA, to FIFA, whoever was sanctioning them. Than, uh, than good. So it's the power they have, and I don't think they'll ever be regulated, which is, you know, another worry about what's taking over football. Um, and the fact that Newcastle were even able to be taken over by those owners shows the corruption that exists because, I mean, those are convicted murderers. <laughs> those are actually convicted murderers who have taken over and... Um, uh, the amount of money that that should never be, that should never be allowed. It's to, disheartening. To happen. Yeah. It really is disheartening. Um. So I'm gonna go with American hedge fund owners, even though they win less. Yeah. Uh. I'd rather have one. Yeah. yeah. I, again, that was this was that was the craziest. Like last year, Super League comes about. We're all like. Hating Stan Kroenke, and I still hate Stan Kroenke. That guy's an absolute fucking asshole. Oh, yeah. There's no two ways about it. He is a douchebag. That is a fact. Um, But he's not Roman Abramovich, and that was enough for me. (laughs) There's there's a difference between an evil, uh, you know... Money-grubbing human being. Yeah, nation-state murdering murderous owner and a dick yeah absolutely. He, he's a rich dick and there are a lot of them but like everyone who's a billionaire is a dick that's true nobody comes yeah. by that much money yeah and without screwing somebody over and that's why Leicester's my favorite team because they're a very rare case of neither of those <laughs> <laughs> they're not my favorite team but they're my favorite other than arsenal in the premier league um partly why but yeah i don't i don't respect any of those guys but I definitely prefer um, one of the you know hedge fund American owners. Although you are much less likely to win with an American hedge fund that owner correct. than with it's just not special to win with one of those. A Qatari though. sports group. It's not. It's not. You know, nothing to be proud of, in my opinion. Mm. But. And then you end up with things like the World Cup in fucking November and yeah. December. <laughs> right. Should be here. Should be in the U.S. this year. It should be. Should be going. We should be going to a game, bro. Right. Like we should literally be doing a World Cup preview right now, and then going to a game. Yeah. And like, we'd probably film it, start a YouTube channel to show you guys. Right. 
like all like twenty. Hey, we'll do that in twenty twenty six. This will still be running in twenty twenty six. Twenty twenty six we'll Invincible SC podcast <laughs> season five. With the forty eight team uh uh World Cups, we'll be seeing like Macedonia against like <laughs> Tunisia or something, but uh run it to a to a nil nil draw in their sixty minute match. Literally. <laughs> Uh, oh man, football is getting ruined very slowly. We gotta that. enjoy it while it's still the way we, it is. We are the last hope. This podcast is the last hope of football. Tell your friends. We will make football invincible. And with that message, that's we're our gonna slogan. we're gonna sign you guys off. <laughs> um, big up Invincible FC fans yes, who sir. are gonna save football. Um, all seven the of two you. Of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The two um, of us and the seven of you listening are going to single-handedly save football. Uh, we love you guys. Josh, I love you, bro. I love you too, Pat. Been a great episode. It has been a good episode. Ben, glad to keep it, you know, under four hours this time. <laughs> a reasonable length. People may actually be able to finish this yeah. in one drive. All right, you all. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you again love soon. You guys. Peace.